Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for this day you've blessed us with and the awesome opportunity to be able to come into your house and study the Word. Help us now as we get into the book of Romans to understand it and, and use it in the right way. Encourage us to go out and share it with others as well. Thank you so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Romans. Romans is a letter that was written by Paul to the Christians in Rome. It's believed that he wrote this while he was in Corneth and had it sent to them. Pick it right up here in Romans chapter 1. It reads, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He starts out with some qualifiers here. First himself, that he is an, a servant, an apostle sent out by the Lord. And then concerning Jesus Christ our Lord, full title, and made of the seed of David because he was Mary's child, and Mary is a descendant of David, and then confirmed that Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So this book is concerning our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given to us by the writings of Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Verse 5, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though this letter is specifically addressed to the church at Rome, the Christians at Rome, this can teach us all. This can go to all people. And we can all learn from the wisdom that he was sharing with the people there, the believers. Because, see, he points out, it's to the saints. And we can see there's many scriptures that are in here that are specifically directed to the saints themselves and then others which are given to the non-believers for the saints to use to help the non-believers come to be saints. Verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. That's awesome testimony there to the Christians at Rome that they had gotten a reputation, that they were godly people. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I made mention of you always in my prayers, making request if, it, if by any means now at length I might have prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Now we know that he winds up coming to the church 
folks in Rome because he winds up being arrested and sent all the way to Rome to be tried by Caesar, or I should say Caesar's court. As he continues, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. He wanted to come to see them. And we know we just finished up the book of Acts. And the end of the book of Acts, Paul is at Rome. He winds up being under house arrest there at Rome until eventually they cut his head off. But he was hoping to be able to get to Rome. And eventually he does wind up getting there. Not exactly by the way that he was hoping to get there, but it was by the design of the Lord that he go through all that he went through to reach the people that he was able to reach and experience things that he was able to experience to help others as well as as all those that can look back at the journeys that he went through and learn from them as well. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Now, having this fruit is having the fruit of his influence, having the fruit of people being saved because he brought the gospel there. That's the kind of fruit he was speaking of having, to be able to do a work for the Lord and to see the results of it. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now the to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We know that the Lord came to the Jews first because He spent so much time there in Israel preaching and doing miracles and wonders in front of the Jews and also reached out to the Greeks. But primarily and first was to the Jews and then to the rest as he gave us the great commission to go out and preach, teach the gospel to all mankind. But it was, as prophesied, delivered to the Jews first, even though many of them rejected, most of them rejected it. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. By faith. That's that confidence in the truth of something. That when you trust something and not doubt, you are displaying faith. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now he gets into some teaching here about the issues of the day, current to the time this was written, but it seems even more current to the things that are going on in the world today. That's why we go to these sections of verses, verses 18 through 32, so often 
when we're speaking of the issues of the day, the concerns of the behavior of people around the world, as was going on back then in Rome. Read 18 again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. God hath showed it unto them. Just like he said over in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So every man that cometh into the world. This is talking about every person that comes into the world has been given that light. Has been able to be revealed that light. Has seen that light. They either acknowledge it, receive it, latch on to it, follow it, or reject it, deny it. As he continues, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. His own would have been speaking of the Jews. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Became the sons of God. As sons and daughters become part of the family of God. Being adopted into the family by receiving and acknowledging which were born not of the blood. It wasn't because they were descendants of anyone in particular, nor of the will of the flesh. It wasn't that by yourself, your desire within you, that you became a Christian. Nor by the will of man. It isn't that by your will you could choose someone to become part of the family of God. It reads, but of God. God is the one that calls us in. Verse 13 again. Which were born, this is born again, of course, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Because God makes the first initial, initial contact. He's shining that light. It's up to that individual to accept that light or deny that light. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. All right, now back over into Romans. Let's pick it back up here in Romans chapter 1, verse 19 again. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. So he done told us, back over in John, the Lord has revealed himself to everyone. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. We can look around and see the creation. We can see the 
countless evidences of the hand of God in the creation of everything around us, all of the cosmos, everything, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's no excuse for being an unbeliever. You can't say, well, I didn't know God existed. He has announced himself. He has proclaimed himself. The Godhead, that's the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, proclaim themselves in all of creation, all around. You either have to be willingly holding that bag down over your head so you cannot see or accept what you can clearly see right in front of you. Because that when they knew God, notice, they knew God. That means everybody ever born in all existence from the very first Adam and Eve all the way to the end of times will have been in a position to know that God is true, to know that God exists, to know Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is right there calling them to come in. They will all experience that sometime in their life. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Their foolish heart was darkened. Vain in their imaginations. Just like we see back over there in Genesis in chapter 6, verse 5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's what had, had happened to mankind. And then the Lord brought on that great flood killed every man, woman, and child on the planet except those eight that was on that huge ship, the ark. The judgment. But now we are under a, what they call dispensation or a time period of mercy and grace. And that is why he is held off from wiping everybody out again. Jesus Christ come down, took on flesh to live amongst us, to die on that cross, to pay the horrible price of sin, to give everyone an opportunity to be saved, becoming the new ark to go on to, to have salvation. And we merely need to receive and accept His finished work, and then we will be saved. Or to deny what is clearly seen right in front of us, as many have done. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. This professing themselves to be wise, they are wise um, of what they call wisdom, in man's so-called wisdom. And when they acquire a lot of this, they proclaim themselves as wise, but in doing so, they become fools. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. This is talking all the way back even to the idol worshiping. Well, that still goes on today. So it's not just the idol worshiping of the past, the graven images, the carved images and so forth, because a lot of that's still going on today. Major religions still worship and pray to various idols of all sorts. 
And this idolatry extends beyond the carvings or the paintings or the craft of man to even anything that you lift up in your eyes as being more important than God. Whether it is a particular item, an image, or even to the point of an ideology, a belief. A belief in man and man's wisdom. A belief in another false god. A belief in worshiping the universe. You hear a lot of people talking about the universe. A belief in worshiping the planet, like those that are what I call the earth worshipers. Those followers of the, the false religions that are pushing the whole belief system of man-made climate change and the global warming and all that insanity that's been going on for many years. Those are all false religions. And that's what he's speaking of here. They deny God. They deny Jesus Christ, the one who spoke everything into existence and regulates and controls every life in existence. Verse 24, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Notice, they, they have this idolatry. They don't trust in God. They have not trusted Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. So they go inward into that vain imagination, that evil imagination, and then they become ungodly in lustful ways, in the ways of the flesh, in the perversions Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to, desi- to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. You see, these folks that don't have Jesus Christ in their heart, one of the main things you can see in their life and in their behavior is the selfishness. They desire to have the influences of their own desires fulfilled their desire to have pleasure, to serve themselves more than anything else, whether it be through their immoral behaviors or their substances they use or the things they do to their bodies even. Because it says to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. The mutilations, the self-mutilations that people do to themselves, the bizarre and extreme things that people are doing to their bodies and it's getting really weird and Really, some strange stuff people are doing to themselves these days. Is who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served a creature more than a creator. The creature is talking about themselves. They serve themselves more than serving God. Like I've said so many times, selfishness is probably one of the biggest and key problems in denying Jesus Christ. They want to please themselves, not please God. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Now this is a horrible situation to have somebody in to where God just gives up on them. Like you want to do that so much, then you just have at it. Gave up on him. Go ahead and just dive into your sinful ways as much as you want. That's a horrible situation to be in. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. 
That's speaking of lesbianism, of course. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet, homosexuality. So we see these folks that are idolaters, which are worshiping something other than God, whatever it may be, because there's countless different things that people worship. Primarily it is their selfishness. And then they turn into these vile activities and behaviors. And amongst those, the highlights is the lesbianism and the homosexuality. Reason, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, so they don't want to think about God, they don't want to acknowledge that He exists, because if they acknowledge that He exists, then they got to know and accept that what they are doing is going to be held accountable. They don't want to have accountability. They want to be their own gods, that they determine what is right and what is wrong, not anyone else. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. A reprobate mind is a mind that the Holy Ghost no longer communicates with. No longer does that person have any conscious of what is right or what is wrong. There's no more influence of God. And once someone reaches that, it's over for them. He gives them up and they don't go back. They're doomed to hell. Indwelt with Satan, never to be saved. Going to wind up in the lake of fire forever. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. But if there's anyone out there that is thinking that they have become reprobate and is concerned about it, then they are not reprobate. Otherwise, they wouldn't be concerned about it. If they have any regret for the things that they have done as being wrong or evil or harmful to someone, then they haven't reached that point yet because there's still a conscience there. There's still some regret that they've done something wrong, some knowledge that there is right and wrong and someone that's going to hold them accountable. But here we see those that are truly reprobate, the attitude that they have in verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God... They know there's going to be accountability. They don't care anymore. That they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They love it when they get others to come in and start doing the same immoral things that they were doing, the same ungodly, horrible things that he just listed between verses 29 and 31 there. They love it when they get others to come in. And they are really attacking the young people today. Like this whole drag queen movement of bringing the children in to watch these perverts dance around and skimply dressed and perverted things that they're doing and getting children to join in with them and saying it's a family-friendly event. Come on in and watch this pervert dance around up there in some disgusting outfit. And that's on the increase today. 
it is amazing how much of that is going on today. And the whole perversions of the transgender movement and trying to mutilate the children before they even have reached the level of understanding what is right and wrong. They're already mutating their bodies. So that's evident. Verse 32 is so prevalent right now. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They love it when they get them kids in there to pervert their minds as well and mutilate their bodies. Chapter 2. Chapter 2 is focusing in on the Christians that are reading what we just read there and the attitudes that we could develop in our minds and our attitudes towards someone else. This is chapter 2. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. He's making sure that people that are reading this about all those evil folks out there aren't getting puffed up with arrogance and piety and haughtiness and self-righteousness because they're not doing the evil things that they just read about. Reminding us, we were all a bunch of filthy sinners saved by the grace of God, cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So let's not be condemning someone else. That's God's job, as He points out. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Like We don't have to judge them in a condemning way. Judge them in an evaluation, yes, to know who is righteous and unrighteous and how to deal with them. But don't condemn them to say, oh, you are reprobate, you're going to go to hell. We cannot determine that. Only the Lord can determine that. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Like when we see somebody's life that is so evil and so corrupt, and so perverted, and then we have this attitude that, why hasn't God already dealt with that individual? Why didn't He just take him out? Why don't He just go on and die and go to hell? That's the wrong attitude for us to take. The Lord is patiently awaiting, even for the most vile people that we encounter, to repent, to turn to Him before they become reprobate, or before the judgment. That's why He's holding out. Because if he was looking around and see the things that are going on today in comparison to the way things were going on before the flood, it would be in our attitude and our opinion that, hey, just go ahead and flood this place again because it's pretty bad. But no, he's still merciful, still filled with grace. Read 4 again. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. He was patiently waiting for us to come to him before he'd take us out. But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thee wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. God is holding everyone accountable to their deeds. 
whether they are deeds of righteousness or unrighteousness. We can take comfort in that, knowing that the Lord's going to take care of it. We don't have to worry about condemning someone else. That's the Lord's job. We can evaluate someone to determine how we need to deal with that individual, whether to preach the gospel to them or to avoid them completely or to team up with them in spreading the gospel. That's all part of a form of judgment in the English language, but actually it's, it's an evaluation. When judgment is spoken of, you've got to look at the word. How is it used? Is it evaluation or is it condemnation? We are not to be judging in the form of condemnation to anyone. That's the Lord's place. Evaluation, yes, but not condemnation. That's up to the Lord and at His timeline and by His grace and mercy. We'll pick it back up in Romans next time, but let's close. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You oh so much for the words You have preserved for us to study. It's amazing how current they are. And help all of us learn from it and help all of us have the right attitude when we go out into this dark world and be willing to shine your light and to share your love, even to some of the most vile that we might encounter. We thank you oh so much for the opportunities for allowing us to be a part of your work. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.